0: Stop.
1: good everybody. Buongiorno, buenos dias. Ni hao, konichiwa, bitches. Welcome one and all to Abacabo Cafe, the English language podcast that's all about Kimagure Orange Road. Thank you very much from the bottom of my heart for tuning in today. We're going to be talking about Kimagure Orange Road TV episode 23 entitled Kyosuke and Madoka in a Big Fight, a Three-Legged Race of Love. This episode originally aired on September 7th of 1987, which also happens to be my birthday. So, whoop, whoop. It was directed by Morikawa Shigeru. Morikawa, you may remember, directed A Spark-Colored Kiss. That's TV episode 7. Also, Don't Ring the Wedding Bell. That's TV episode 11, as well as TV episode 16, the one where Madoka and Kyosuke saw a UFO. We also talked about OVA2 recently, that was Hawaiian suspense. That was also directed by Morikawa Shigeru, so we know Morikawa's got that affinity for the Hitchcock-style suspense. This episode was written by Ohashi Yukiyoshi, who also wrote episode 13, Shikaru's Super Transformation, as well as TV episode 16. That's the UFO episode again, and OVA2 Hawaiian Suspense. So, Ohashi has frequently collaborated with Morikawa as director. We start the episode with a nice little insert song. It's our first time hearing Furimuite, my darling by Fujishiro Minako. It's Turn Around My Darling. Google Turn Around My Darling. You can find this one on YouTube. This really does read like something that sounds like it's from Shikaru's point of view. Last episode, we got uh, Salvia. And this episode, we get a song that sounds very much as if it's coming from Shikaru's perspective. Uh, Obviously, Shikaru calls Kasuga Darling routinely. Throughout the show. So, just the title of the song already makes it sound like words coming out of Shikaru's mouth. But the lyrics of the song also describe a girl's pleas for the attention and affection of her boyfriend. And we all know Kasuga consistently prioritizes Ayukawa over Shikaru. And at times he takes very, very little notice of Shikaru. So, this really does sound like the type of thing that would come from Shikaru's point of view wanting to be that object of Kasuga's affection in the way that Ayukawa is. It's too bad for her. She ain't gonna get it. This episode begins in media res like a lot of the episodes do. We're in the middle of a shopping trip with Kasuga and Shikaru out and Shikaru's trying on some clothing. Uh, It turns out that it's a exercise outfit, shorts, tank top, nice little uh, 80s style sweatband going across the forehead perfect and kasuka is kind of being the the dutiful but incredibly bored boyfriend who's like way less interested in shopping and he's just kind of waiting there tapping his foot for her Kazuka can't help but to think about shikaru undressing on the other side of the curtain just beyond his view he sees the the dress fall down and he's like getting hot under the collar right He's not focusing on shopping at at all. Now, Yusaku is here, too. Of course, he's following Kasuga everywhere he goes. He loves Kasuga. He's watching angrily. I mean, he's no doubt seething with jealousy that Shikaru is jumping all over his beloved Kasuga. And Kasuga is a bastard because he's not in Yusaku's arms at that moment. And there's this Looney Tunes-style comedic chase scene where Kasuga is attempting to get away from Yusaku and stay hidden, While Shikaru is essentially riding on him, she's like piggybacked, I guess. She's like arms and legs wrapped around Koska, and he's just running up and down the store trying to hide from Yusaku. It's all played for comedy, right down to Yusaku pulling the curtain on this giant bear of a dude changing clothes because he thought it was Kasuga and Shikaru in there. And so this giant bear of a man doesn't seem entirely upset that Yusaku opened the curtain And he was trying on this tiny little t-shirt with a cute panda bear on it. And, And Yusaku kind of caught him in the middle of this, in this state of undress. I'm not sure if that's the filmmaker's way of saying that Yusaku's about to have a different kind of encounter now. The man even pulls Yusaku into the little dressing room versus like chasing him down. You know, he just pulls him in. We hear scuffling. You know, and I think we're supposed to think uh, maybe Yusaku's being struck, like he's being violently beaten by this man who's offended that, that Yusaku walked in on him, but I don't think he was offended by Yusaku uh, walking in on him. It could be something else. I mean, we all we know is that there's some physical activity occurring between this giant man, partially dressed, and Yusaku. And again, keep in mind at this point, I don't believe that Yusaku is is very likely completely consciously aware of his own homosexuality and his own desire for Kasuga. He thinks he likes Shikaru, but he's fixating so completely, so wholly on Kasuga. And the scene ends with a notably disheveled Yusaku collapsing and falling out of the dressing room, entirely spent, if you catch my drift. After this comedic opening, we flash back. To the beginning of our story, to see why Kasuga and Shikaru were out shopping for exercise gear in the first place. Sometime earlier, Komatsu and Hatta comedically nominate each other for the male anchor before uniting to nominate Kasuga. It felt kind of like a bait and switch, like they sort of went after each other a little bit when Kasuga wasn't paying attention. Boom, they struck. I almost feel like they planned that a little. They have this necessary role for establishing the conceit of this episode. Kasuga has to run a race and Ayukawa is nominated to be his partner. Kasuga's face as he's been voted into the anchor position is hyper exaggerated and cartoonish. It's very Looney Tunes style with the giant eyes and the mouth is huge and, and, and hanging open and it's very expressively drawn, but not very realistically drawn it expresses his incredulity perfectly, but, but it's, it's not a very realistic rendering because, again, things are all completely out of proportion. I understand anime is not a photorealistic style of animation either, but even still, there are animated features that attempt to maintain this uh, sense of, of realism with the animation and yet often in orange road we get these very cartoonish expressions frequently from kasuga and jingoro those are the characters that usually catch most of the shit so they make most of the really wild expressions but even though it's not very realistic it's it does a great job of expressing what that character is feeling in that moment so from the outset kasuga pushes ayukawa pressures Ayukua even, to run with him, but she obstinately refuses to do so. Kasuga, for his part, behaves obstinately as well. He uses the wrong tactic with Ayukua by reminding her that it's a school event, so she should feel some obligation to do the marathon. It's something that she's supposed to do. And of course, Ayukua sees this as an aspect of Kasuga's goody-goody nature. This is that goody-goody aspect He's, he's a conformist, he follows the rules, and she doesn't always love that goody two-shoes inside of Kasuga. During their initial conversation, Abakabu, Ayukawa is quite clearly fishing for Kasuga to simply express some personal desire for Ayukawa to join him on the run. If he said something like he wants them to do it together as a pair or that he wants to spend that time with her, that it would be a fun experience for them to go through together. I think she would have been down from the get-go. But he uses, in fact, in this scene, he uses the words Ftari Day, which Ftari is uh, two people. It means two people. So uh, it's almost like Kasuga saying the two of us. And she responds very well to him using the words Futari, Futari Day. Uh, Morikawa cuts to a tighter shot of just Ayukua's face and her upper torso, kind of like uh, clavicles up to the top of her head. And she looks towards Kasuga in this shot. And And Morikawa does that to highlight her response to, to Kasuga using this phrasing. This is what she wanted to hear. I mean, he's almost there. Morikawa cuts back to Kasuga as he drops that, line of reasoning he kind of trails off after the futari day and he takes a more sensible i guess less sentimental approach reminding Ayukawa that her failure to meet her scholastic obligations will tarnish her reputation so that really wasn't what she wanted to hear she wanted Koska to keep going with the two of us let's run this race the two of us let's do something together So Morikawa cuts back to Ayuko's face to show us that that wasn't quite what she wanted to hear. She's looking a bit stymied in that last shot. Morikawa cuts back to show us her reaction. And so it's an effective little intercutting between the two characters. And it shows us, without making anything too obvious, it shows us what Ayuko was thinking and how Kasuga's approach didn't go the way he wanted it to go. And this episode is really about how fights happen in a relationship. When neither party is really in the wrong, Kasuga chickens out on expressing his real reasons for wanting Ayukawa to do the run with him. But I feel like we got to cut him a little slack because he's young. He's inexperienced. He's 15 years old. He doesn't have the ability to express himself in in such a, a clear and decisive manner. He lacks that confidence. And I think some of that will come with age. So I cut Casuga a little bit of slack here. Ayuko refuses to be compelled by arguments that are centered around obligation and requirement and what other people think about her. That stuff is unimportant to her. So as Casuga and Ayukua become more heated, they each dig into their own respective positions all the more. And I think that's the real lesson of this episode is that it can be hard to meet in the middle and compromise. And oftentimes People, as they get more impassioned by an argument, they dig into their own positions. And and that stubbornness becomes an impediment to a compromise or to making up with this person that you care about. Both Kasuga and Ayukua accuse each other of being stubborn, and they're both right. In my opinion, this is a really great episode for its depiction of how heated arguments actually work work in real life i mean i'll talk about how cartoonish a lot of kasuga's expressions are and how sort of looney tunes a lot of the things are in the show but in this episode there really is a great depiction of of a very real life scenario when you're in a relationship and there's some insight to be gained here i think it's at this point in the episode that kasuga has a brief fantasy in which he physically dominates Ayukawa. I mean, this this scene, some decades later, it doesn't always play really well for audiences that don't appreciate Kasuga slapping Ayukua. So I think the scene is rather unpopular today for its depiction of Kasuga being violent towards Ayukua, even if it does only occur in his mind. It's interesting. Uh, we, we see a lot of flashbacks throughout the Orange Road episodes, throughout the series. We we do see a lot of flashbacks Sometimes we see characters imagining things such as in episode 10, we see Shikaru imagining Kasuga coming to her bedside as she's ill, but we don't see a lot of cutaways like this. This is something that was popularized in more recent years, like Family Guy is really well-known for these non-sequitur and really unnecessary and silly cutaways, And uh, this is almost like that. It's like a cutaway to this fantasy that he has. And I think the purpose of the fantasy is to express a certain cultural expectation that's inside of Kosugo. And it's not uncommon, nor is it unique to Japanese culture, that in ideal scenarios, women would be subservient to men. Kansuka's own fantasy is less about him actually striking a and more a reflection of his ego, wishing for their current conflict to resolve in his favor. He's wanting her to come around to his position and agree with him. He's imagining himself as some kind of tough guy using this, this different voice supposed to sound more like a Yakuza kind of tough guy. He imagines Ayukua as much the opposite of her current demeanor. Instead of remaining steadfast in her resolution to skip the race, Kasuga imagines her bending to his will and agreeing with him. He has to apply a little force to do so, but she jumps on his side pretty quick. And I think there's meant to be humor in the juxtaposition of Kasuga's fantasy version of himself as this like tough guy. And then Ayukua, up against real-life versions of, of Kasuga and Ayukua, he's brusque and he, he uses this tough voice, kind of Yakuza gangster voice. And he nonetheless commands Ayukua's awe and adoration. She's like clinging to his leg in the, in the fantasy. Real life Kasuga clearly fears Ayukua. To some degree, at least, when she snaps him out of his fantasy by asking him what's unforgivable, he panics and runs off. I mean, he's clearly intimidated by her. He was not about to begin to tell her that he had a fantasy where he smacked her around and then she agreed with him. She'd kick his ass. So I think there's meant to be a little humor there, that he's imagining himself as this tough guy, and the minute she says something, he runs away with his tail between his legs. So it's that juxtaposition that I think is is meant to be funny. I don't think that the filmmakers, I don't think Morikawa or Ohashi intended for us to think it was amusing or admirable that Kosuga would uh, smack Ayukawa because she disagreed. She dared to disagree with him. I don't think that's where the, the humor is. And I don't think they were trying to mine something like, like uh, violence against your, uh, your significant other as being uh, humorous at all. But I think the humor was meant to be that he imagines himself being this tough guy. And then the moment she says something to him, he couldn't be more opposite. He just runs away from her, tail between his legs. He would never, never tell her what he just imagined. Real-life Kasuga could never dominate Ayukawa if things came to blows. Furthermore, real-life Kasuga is way too much of a people pleaser to ever take such a firm stance with anyone, let alone use violence. Ayukawa never. He would never do that. Casca, think about how infrequently Casca is actually violent throughout this television series. He's almost never violent. He only ever defends himself in a few rare occasions where there's like a legit sexual assault about to occur. I'm thinking of OVA number four, where the weird guys who come into bars to, to sexually assault women in front of everyone, these these gangster guys or these thugs, these punks, were holding Ayukua back and they were, they were uh, holding Akane back and, and they were about to touch Ayukua's breast. And then that's when Kasuga decided to blow up. But before that, he wasn't being violent and he's never violent in the show. And so I do believe that, that the real life Ayukua does love Kasuga. She's really not great at expressing her feelings and, and really she would never prostrate herself in such a way like grabbing his leg and begging his forgiveness. So I think this this brief sequence is meant to be humorous, but not for Kasuga smacking Ayukua. I think it's meant to be this juxtaposition of real-life Kasuga versus this really kind of silly and over-the-top imagination he has of himself. I'm reminded of the old recurring Honeymooners gag in which Ralph would consistently threaten to punch his wife, Alice, in the kisser to the moon. He'd hit her so hard, she'd go to the moon. She'd fly to the moon. Alice never understood this to be a genuine threat, and Ralph never followed through with the threat. Both of them accepted it as idle, and as such, Alice was never physically abused, nor was she even a victim of terror that Ralph might indeed hit her. She'd tell him to shut up. So he would threaten to hit her, and she would say, shut up, because she knew he wasn't going to do it. It wasn't a real threat, and therefore, even the threat itself was meaningless to her. There were no teeth in it. So Costco's fantasy violence strikes me as somewhat similar. He never threatens, he never carries out any violence against Ayukua, which I think allows this sequence to be more comedic than horrific. It's not an excuse for the depiction of violence here. On paper, it sounds pretty bad to simply say that Kasuga imagines slapping Ayukua across the face several times. But my own interpretation is that Kasuga is not a monster for having this fantasy that plays out ridiculously. He would never act on it, and he couldn't even threaten Ayukua. He's too afraid of Ayukua to even say, I'm going to smack you. She'd never have it. I actually think this fantasy has a purpose. It shows us that Casca is very immature in how he imagines that their conflict would be resolved, how conflict is resolved in a romantic relationship. This is a reflection of Casca's own inexperience in these matters. You can't have an argument with somebody and then just smack them around the face a few times and then they agree. That is not a mature or sustainable way to deal with your loved ones. It shows that Costca's is subscribing in his mind, and he imagines this old-style, conservative, patriarchal value of male dominance and superiority, at least to a degree. And these are not the youth values of Orange Road. This is a show about young people, new values. It often mocks the old ways, the patriarchy, the conservative, old-style values. This is not the way that Kasuga eventually makes things right in his relationship with Ayukawa. As such, this fantasy shows where Kasuga is mentally and emotionally at the beginning of the episode, and it gives him an arc. So that by the end, when he comes back around, he's learned something. He understands that this fantasy is silly. It's not a realistic way to end conflicts with someone that you love. Komatsu and Hata seem to be very much getting the upper hand on Kasuga in this episode. At this point, they sneak off with his sister's to treat them to ice cream. You know, Casca's looking for Komatsu and Hata and he finds them in this, behind this glass window of this restaurant and they're like feeding the twins ice cream. It really seems like the twins aren't naive to the nature of of Hata and Komatsu's efforts. The twins know what Komatsu and Hata really want. They understand the uh, hormonal pubescent urges of Komatsu and Hata that they're slaves to, but they also don't seem to universally hate hata and komatsu's attentions either as evidenced by them allowing komatsu and hata to feed them ice cream they play with komatsu and hata a lot in this episode actually and really seem to be legitimately enjoying themselves and i think part of this is to rub it in that komatsu and hata have really pulled one over on kasuga in this episode now, when Kasuga tells Shikaru that he's training for a certain person, he means Ayukawa. but of course, Shikaru thinks that he's referring to her. This helps to drive the conflict along in this episode as well, because in the next scene, Shikaru tells Ayukawa how hard Kasuga is training, and Ayukawa seems to get all in her feels at this moment. Background music stops. Shikaru's reaction to the silence tells us, the audience, that the music was diegetic, This music wasn't just for us. This was music that was actually playing for Ayukua and Shikaru to listen to as well. Ayukua seemed to not notice that the record stopped. She's like deep in thought. And she remained in deep thought as she went to change the record. We get these shots of Ayukua kind of looking down, seeming pensive, taking her time. She doesn't seem fully present with Shikaru there in that moment. So it makes me wonder, is Ayukua regretting Leaving Kosuga to train on his own for this race is his resolve swaying her. Is she coming around to think that maybe she should join him on his run? Instead, Ayukawa ribs Kosuga the next morning about it. She kids him about preparing for the Olympics, and Kosuga's indignation here is also very cartoonish. The way that his face is rendered again exaggerates his expressions in order to communicate to us what they are and to heighten them. And we see him here being very obstinate, very stubborn. In the next scene, as he follows Shikaru on her bike, he looks similarly exaggerated, like his eyes are rolling back in his skull and his mouth is hanging open because he's just so exhausted. So his portrayal in this episode, his physical portrayal in this episode, is very cartoonish and parodied. He seems very silly in this episode, and that could be because he's being so stubborn and so obstinate, it really could be a way of saying that his stubbornness is really very silly and very stupid. And it's not the realistic thing to do is to simply demand that your position be the right one and that everyone meet you where you're at. There's also a family scene with some power use that is intended for comedic effect. Jingoro is propelled around the apartment on a roller skate by Kurumi. She's terrorizing him again. She sends him straight into Takashi's face. There's really not a lot of meaning here, but Takashi is again kind of mocked a little bit by his daughter, his savage, chaotic daughter, Kurumi, who wants nothing but blood. He attempts to exert his authority And they mock him a bit for it. And Jinguro has to suffer as well. And so, again, that reminds us that the kids are the ones who are in charge here, especially Kurumi. She runs that house with an iron fist, forces her sister to work and make everyone's lunches. Poor Takashi's in there doing what he can. All the photos he can print, trying to make that money. Kasuka better stay out of the way. Kurumi runs that house. And we see Ayuko's ultimate maturity here when she attempts an apology to Casuga. But koskas I don't know if he's in some kind of hypoglycemic brain fog. It ruins her attempt at an apology. He mistakes her for Shikaru because he's just like so out of it. His blood sugar is just so low. He doesn't know what he's saying. So she gets kind of pissed. He just called her the wrong name after all. Uh, I don't recommend that. We see here what an actual confrontation, physical confrontation between Ayuko and Costco would look like. She easily hurls him into a fountain. Quite the opposite of his early fantasy. This bit is necessary in order for him to get this cold. And that continues to drive the plot along too. There's something about getting wet when you're not expecting it. I don't know what it is. It's like you, you could take a bath or a shower. That's cool. But if you get rained on, you're going to get sick. Jumping into a pool, muy bueno, but getting thrown into a fountain on an equally hot day equals sick. You're going to get sick if you get thrown into a fountain. The touches water equals sick thing always seemed like a bit of a contrivance. I mean, the guy's laying on a park bench, dying of heat stroke, hypoglycemic from doing all this running, pouring sweat. Him getting tossed into a fountain ought to refresh him a little bit, not make him sick. Oh, well. We haven't seen Umao and Ushko since episode 20, but here they make an appearance after a couple of episodes off. And we also learned that the power can be accidentally activated. Kasuga clearly didn't mean to teleport Nude from his bathtub into Umao and Ushko's parked car. If he'd shown up a minute later, they might have been naked too, right? Could have been the three of them. Whoa, shit, naked 15-year-old His genitals five inches from my face. I'm not sure we can still do this. I guess nudity, flashing in general, I find it to be amusing. I'm a child inside. Morikawa uses a flashback to show Ayukua realizing that it was likely her fault that Kasuga caught a cold. He's not at school the next day, and she feels responsible, of course. It had nothing to do with him running naked through the streets in the rain last night. It has everything to do with you throwing him into a fountain on a hot day when he was already dripping with sweat. Ayukawa is shown talking to Shikaru about Kasuka falling ill. And at that moment, we see Hata and Komatsu playing with the twins. They're like running around the yard or something like that. They appear to be having a lot of fun. And I think that they're shown getting along so well in this episode to uh, highlight how carefree they are after throwing Kosaka under the bus. Like, this episode's a lot of work for Kasuka. He's not having a lot of fun. He's suffering a lot physically. But, like, Komatsu and Hata couldn't be happier. Like, every time we see them, they're just, like, running past the camera with humongous grins on their faces. They're laughing. They're having the time of their lives. Meanwhile, Kasuka's not getting along with Ayukua. They're mad at each other. Kasuka's upset. He's running 10 miles a day or whatever the hell he's doing. He's passing out hypoglycemic on the park bench, getting tossed into the fountain by Uh, his would-be girlfriend with the mad self-defense skills. And I think it's just kind of rubbing his nose in it, right? Komatsu and Hata are having the time of their lives. Finally, Ayukua makes a second attempt at an apology when she goes to visit him at home. She knew he was out that day. She cut school a little early, and she wanted to go check on him. And it's a nice thing. And it's here that Kasuga also expresses regret for his own obstinate behavior in this episode. Ayukua admits that she just wanted Casca to invite her to run with him. As a couple, Futaride, she wanted him to approach her in a certain way for that request. I don't think that's that weird. I think how you talk to people is kind of important, especially if you want them to do something with you. Inviting somebody to do something because you want to spend time with them, that's the way to phrase it. Tell somebody you miss them. Tell somebody you love them. Tell somebody you want to spend time with them. Don't tell them it's what you got to do. Think about your reputation. Think about my reputation. Think about how what you do reflects on me. That's not the right way to do it. So here uh, she decides to do the run with them together. I think that was what was important. They decided to do it together, and they both felt much, much better about it. We get to hear kimito island cafe here it's you and island cafe or you and the island cafe google that one i love this one and i'm playing it because i love it and uh we got to hear this one i think episode 19 maybe this is very beachy it's very islandy it's appropriate for a summertime episode i guess they wanted to get a little bit more mileage out of this one before uh the hot weather was completely gone i know we're done with the summertime now We're, we're school's back in session Natsuyasumi is over it's a great song to use, I think. I, I dig it. This is good background music. Akasuga and Ayukua wind up enjoying their run together. Of course they did. It ends well. All's well that ends well. Let me tell you what you're going to enjoy doing with me. Signing up for my Patreon. Patreon.com slash Come check us out. Come support email me on patreon we bring you fine podcasts like abacabu cafe and i would love for you to come join us i've got lots of orange road related bonus content and more coming we're gonna do uh some watch some watch alongs for the series we're gonna watch the tv series together it's gonna be excellent once i figure out youtube's not gonna let me do it but we're gonna uh we're gonna make some katsu songs together i watched shinkor for the very first time you can watch the video of me watching shinkor for the first time 25 years i hid under a rock trying to avoid shinkor but i finally watched it and you know what wasn't half as bad as i thought it was gonna be you know i think maybe if you watch a few transformers movies you know watch a couple of michael bay transformers movies before watching shinkor and you're gonna feel like you're going to feel like you're having an artistic experience with Core. it's going to be way way better so come check us out on patreon.com slash team i would love you so much i'm going to send you some uh merch i always do that also check out innercirclepn.com for some other podcasts creatures of the night is my other podcast i'd love for you to check out creatures of the night that would be excellent uh it's wacky, it's goofy. We talk about aliens. George Bush did 9-11. I mean, we don't get too political, other than the CIA doing 9-11, Dick Cheney. But come check us out at Creatures of the Night. I'll throw a link up to that in the show notes. We have a ton of fun on that podcast. It's not Orange Road related at all. And uh I want to say I appreciate you guys very much for listening to the episode. If you haven't already, please subscribe. If you're listening on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, leave me a review. I would love that too. That does my ego uh, worlds of good. I got a song for you guys. Let's do it.